may be seated. Well, we are still technically in the season of Easter. You'll notice our pyramids up here at the front are still white because the season of Easter extends all the way until June 5th this year, which is the day of Pentecost. Well, back in March, you know, way before Easter and all that, I was doing quite a bit of calendar planning. And in my planning, I knew that I wanted to focus on Luke's gospel account leading up to Easter. And it's such an important, you know, Sunday for us as Christ followers celebrating Easter and the resurrection together. Well, I was doing my calendar planning and then I was like, okay, well then, what after Easter? You know, everything builds up to Easter and then you kind of sit and you're like, okay, so now what? Which was actually the title of my sermon last week. So I was, I was feeling that even in my planning. So now what? And I had my planning calendar open and I saw that the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And mental health for our society has become, it's become a, a popular phrase for us, especially it seems like over the past two years with the pandemic, but even, you know, the past five, ten years or so. And this term mental health, it's a big umbrella term. You know, sometimes it's almost kind of hard to narrow it. What is mental health? Well, I found a a definition from mentalhealth.gov, and it says this. Mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. So basically, <laughs> it's everything, right? Or almost everything about our day-to-day lives. But it's an important p- topic for our church to speak to. So this month, I wanted to, to take a couple aspects of mental health and talk about that. But I also saw that the month of May, according to my trusty planning calendar, is foster care month. And I feel like this ties in nicely with our focus on Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services today. So, um, and again, Laura's going to tell us more about that uh, organization in in just a few minutes. You know, when I have found myself in difficult, stressful times in my life, whether, you know, I've been confused by life, frustrated with life, upset about life, or just feeling the, you know, the weight of life and all its responsibilities... In those moments, I'm, I'm personally most often drawn to the Psalms. Because the Psalms, for me, has a, has a way of expressing a, a, a deeper human emotion. Some of them, especially, are just raw and unfiltered. Many of them express the, the stress and even the pain that we sometimes feel in our own lives. There, there's an honesty and a, and a transparency as the psalmist express their hearts to God. For example, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That, that's, that's speaking something deep. Or Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? I think we've had moments maybe when we've felt like that. We can identify with those words. We cry out to God, God, what do we do? We know that everything is not just sunshine and rainbows and monarch butterflies and chrysalists. There's a realness about life in the Psalms. And the Psalms show that, no, we don't always feel happy in life. 
but they do draw us into what it means to be holy in our lives. And they point us to the hope that we have in God and to put our, and encourage us to put our trust in God. So before we read Psalm 103, let's, let's pray. Holy God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We don't know what lies before us on our journey, but we know who will be with us every step of the way, and that is you. Help us to follow your guidance, to nourish ourselves in your grace, and to be strengthened by your spirit. We look to you now, for you are our shepherd, our light, our joy, and our hope. Amen. Psalm 103, a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, obedient to his spoken word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers that do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm begins with the words, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's going to be a big focus of our our topic today. Because you'll notice that, or you probably notice that the very last line in Psalm 103 is identical to the very first line. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And I think, well, that's a coincidence. Well, it's not a coincidence. The, the psalmists know what they're doing. That's an intentional move to begin and end a psalm with the exact same words. They, they serve as bookends, right? First line, last line, meaning that everything that comes in the middle between those two identical lines points to those lines. Everything leads to this expression, bless the Lord Oh, my soul. 
Now, first, briefly, what, what does the phrase bless the Lord mean? It's not like, you know, as we're saying, as we're in a place of authority saying, God, bless you. No, that's not what that means. The, the phrase bless the Lord is, is equivalent to like saying praise the Lord, but it's not the word hallelujah like we talked about a, a couple weeks ago. It's, it does mean bless the Lord, but it's praise the Lord, celebrate the Lord, honor the Lord. And so bless the Lord, now what? Oh, my soul. There's a big existential question for you. What is our soul? Our soul is the deepest, most elemental part of our nature and existence as living beings. Our soul is the seat also of our deepest needs as living beings. Our deepest needs are the needs of our souls. We can spend our whole lives trying to satisfy the desire of our soul, but we can never succeed because there is only one thing that can satisfy that need. We'll get there a little later. But if we as human beings are anything, we are needy. All right? And that's not to be like an insult. I know sometimes you, know, you might think of someone like, oh, they're pretty needy. We as humans, all of us, are needy. It's just our reality. It should be no surprise to us. We're needy creatures. In any intro, introduction to psychology class, and when I took it, I remember learning about Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, if you're familiar with this. So it was developed by an American psychologist, Abraham Maslow, in 1943. So it's been around a little while, but not a long time. And you actually, you start at the bottom, so in the, the red category, and it's a hierarchy, it's a progression of human needs. So it begins with basic needs, and it actually kind of comprises both the red and the gold, yellowish color there. And the bottom level is our physiological needs. These are the needs that even the kids knew this morning. We need food. We need water. We need air. We need shelter. I mean, they named them all. They, they got it right. They knew the basic needs that just we require to exist as, as physical human bodies and beings. So that's the base level. And then you move up from that, the next level on this hierarchy of needs is the safety needs. As human beings, we need to know that there is security, that there is safety, both, uh, you know, physically, that we are physically safe from outside harm, that our bodies are protected, but also that we have emotional um, safety there in place as well. The sad thing about this, I'm just going to pause here, is a lot, a lot of kids don't even have those two things, the two basic things. So, when Laura comes and talks to us in a little bit about Presbyterian children's homes and services, everything that they do is seeking to build on these needs in the name of Christ. So I'm not going to spoil more of what you're going to say, but it's important, right? Okay, so moving on from there, the middle category are psycholo psychological needs. And there's two tiers in this. The first one in the green um, trapezoid, I guess it's trapezoid, is belongingness and love needs. As humans, we have a need for close and intimate and trustworthy and safe relationships. 
We need to know that we can trust other people, that we can connect with other people. We're social beings. We're, we're created to be social creatures. And so that's in that category. And then moving up, esteem needs. We need to know as beings that we have self-worth, right? That, that we matter in some sense, that we can uh, have accomplishments. We can have agency in our lives. And that leads to the, the top category, self-fulfillment needs, achieving one's, you know, kind of healthy, full potential, including, you know, creative things that we do, just think thriving and flourishing, resiliency, showing strength and character as, as humans. But what Maslow describes in this triangle is, is helpful. It's just kind of this natural progression, and, and you think about it, and, and it makes sense. And it shows us how if we are to be healthy, productive, Thriving individuals, certain needs also have to be met, even down to just the basic needs. And these needs are, like we said, incredibly important in childhood. I remember one of the things that I had to do going through ordination is I had to get a psychological evaluation. Now, I just want to let y'all know that they weren't just picking on me. They weren't saying that guy needs a psychological evaluation. All Presbyterian ministers have to do that, okay? All right, not crazy. Um, all Presbyterian minute, but it's intimidating because it's not just like, oh, take this personality test. Okay, you're a type nine. Great, move on. It's, it's like an over $2,000 like intensive. I don't know how many questions and things I had to pr- do to prepare for it, but then it's a full two days in person with two different psychologists and they take you in these little rooms and they just ask you all sorts of personal questions and you feel uncomfortable. And then you go to the other psychologist and he starts asking questions from a different angle and then they send you back to the other one. And by the end of it, you're just like, oh my gosh, I don't know, I don't know what's going on right now. And you know they're just like trying to get inside your mind and it's just super intimidating and super uncomfortable. It's one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever had to do. But after it, the, like the last session was they kind of bring you in and they say, okay, here's what we learned. Here's a little bit, you know, about you. And, and it was actually one of the most helpful things for me, just to realize kind of who I am, maybe why I act and behave the way I do, what's important to me, things like that. But one of the things that I, I thought was really interesting, all those questions, or most all the questions that they asked me centered around, like, childhood years. I remember thinking at one point, don't you want to know anything about, like, what I did today or last week or like the past five years, like none of that. Our childhoods are so important in the developmental process of our lives. Children need basic needs such as proper food, water, shelter, clothing, warmth. They need a safe environment where they feel secure. They need to experience loving and trustworthy and safe relationships. They need to learn self-worth and experience, you know, accomplishments in life to grow up to be healthy, self-actualizing individuals. And again, y'all are doing great work. So not going to let you talk more about Presbyterian Children's Home and Services. I say all that, and I'm, and I'm not a clinical psychologist, okay? But I can say with certainty, knowing my life, observing humanity around us, one thing I can say for sure. We all have needs. We are needy people. It's a universal reality for us as humans. We are needy. But I have one problem with Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. It's a pretty big problem. I understand why he didn't put it on there. 
But for me, it's a big problem because it misses something even more basic and more important. And that is the spiritual need of the soul. Our soul is the seat of our deepest need. And our souls crave peace. That's what they're, they're craving. They're, they're craving a sense, you know, not just like the absent of noise kind of peace, but they're craving the kind of peace that experiences wholeness, contentment, satisfaction, fulfillment. And that's what we want out of life. We want to feel content and at peace. We want that shalom that the Bible talks about. And our, soul, our souls are restless pursuers of peace. And so often we try to fill that yearning, that need with other earthly things and nothing ever satisfies. Talking about the restless craving of the human soul, it was Blaise Pascal who wrote, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but there once was in a uh, once was in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries to fill, or tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. That, that phrase, um, we, we have a God-shaped hole in our heart. It's kind of taken from Blaise Pascal's quote there. That's the paraphrase of it. But we as humans were created by God. God is our creator. He's our source of life. He's the giver of our souls. And our souls were made to have a deep connection with our creator. God is the only thing that can satisfy our souls in such a way that that yearning fills then with peace, this peace that surpasses all understanding. It was St. Augustine who said, it's more of a prayer, you awaken us to delight in your praise for you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds itself in you. Or the psalmist in Psalm 42, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. In Psalm 103, our text today, David understands that God is the solution to humans' deepest needs. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And what does God do for us to, to satisfy our souls? David reminds us, do not forget all of God's benefits, all the ways in which God works for us and satisfies us. He forgives our iniquity. He heals our diseases. He redeems our lives from the pit. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies us with good as long as we live. Our youth is restored like eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God forgives us. God restores us into a relationship. In our own brokenness, we all have brokenness. Go, go see any psychologist, do your own psych evaluation. You'll realize, I'm pretty broken. But the brokenness of this world, too, 
they wage war against our souls. Our souls is something that the world just completely devalues. I mean, how often do you walk anywhere and say, how's your soul today? You know, they want to know, you know, maybe how you're doing, how your health is, where your finances are, you know, what you're learning, all that stuff. What about our, the, the most basic, fundamental, and important part of us, our souls? It's no wonder that our problems as individuals and in our society seem to increase. Even with the advancement of treatments and medications, the problems only seem to increase. It's because we're not identifying the real need here, the needs of our souls. The world tries to make anything but our souls the most important thing about us. Our bodies, our appearance, our strength, our minds, our talents, our merits, our success and wealth and possessions. I mean, no wonder we're always so stressed out. We're trying to keep up with these things that don't have any real substance. Just as important as mental health, and I think more important than just mental health or physical health or financial health, is our spiritual health. And that's where I want to start this month. It's just kind of setting this this baseline, thinking about our spiritual health, the, the spiritual health of our souls, because there is a much deeper need that we cry out for. Whether we know it or not, we thirst for the living God. And God cares about our holiness, our righteousness, our godliness. And he does things for us that no earthly thing or person can do. In love, God restores our souls. And he restores us to a relationship with himself. That is what the cross of Christ represents. That is what this table represents we will partake of and shortly represents God's restoring our souls to a relationship with himself because our soul's greatest need as Leah first pointed out in our children's lesson is God the irony kind of in it you can call it an irony is that when we realize how needy we really are how We need God. It is in that acknowledgement of need that we become filled with God's wholeness. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon wrote of this verse, Many are our facilities, emotions, and capacities, but God has given them all to us. And they ought all to join in chorus to his praise. Everything leads to those bookends. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Our soul's highest purpose and greatest joy and satisfaction is found in exalting our Lord and creator, our redeemer and our sustainer. So may we be in awe of God. That in our joy, all we want to sing is I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And all that is in me, bless his holy name. Amen. Will you pray with me?